0: We have a copy of God's Word. Um, We're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. Today we're going to look at Acts chapter 21, starting at verse 37. We'll go over to chapter 22, to verse 21 of chapter 22. So we're making our way through Acts, and uh, wow, we actually are coming to the end of the book of Acts. It's been a great study here. Um, Last week we heard about how James, we called him Uncle James, played a role in um, trying to help Paul, and when he came to Jerusalem, when those were, Judaizers were trying to bring faults against him, Uncle James trying to pretty much give Paul some wisdom to try to cut down on all the comfort that was happening, but come to find out that still wasn't enough, the people still got Paul and tried to kill him, but thanks to the bears and the, actually, uh, the Roman bears or the Roman camp, the Romans there, that they was able to grab Paul to protect them because he was a Roman citizen. So I'm going to read it verse 37, a couple of verses in 22, and we can, I've been talking more about the verses throughout the message here this evening. So look at verse 37 in chapter 21. As Paul was about to be brought into the bears, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the four thousand men of the Assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia. Sicilia. Sicilia can't see it. A citizen of no obscure city. I beg you permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul standing on the steps, motioned. With his hand to the people, and when there was a great hush, he addressed them in Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I know that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet, and he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, Assisia but brought up in the city, in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way, which the way is the Christian church, that's what the word way means, to the deaf, binding, delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Look at verse six in chapter 22. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus verse 12 and one of Ananias a devout man according to the law was well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there came to me and standing by me and said to me brother Saul receive your sight and at that hour very hour I received my sight and saw him and he said the God of our father appointed you to know his will to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for, his, for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Verse 17, when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly. Because they would not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprison and beat those who believe in me, believe in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And verse 22 up this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Wait with such a fellow from the earth, for he shall not be allowed to live. We're going to stop there. Let me pray for us. And ask the Lord to help us in what we just read here today. Our Father, God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord, for bringing us back today. Uh, Lord, every, all scripture is profitable, Lord, for the believer. So, Lord, even in this test right here, Lord, it's good for us to hear what happened to Paul, and your work in the life of Paul. So, Lord, allow us, Lord, to be attentive to your word. Let us not be distracted, Lord, of what's going to be happening later on this week, what's going to be happening later on tonight, or what's going on right now. Uh, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to allow our minds, Lord, to be consumed with your glory. And let us be, Lord, um, uh, just expecting, Lord, you to give us a word, Lord. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to give us a word right now and I encourage this Lord at this time in Christ let me pray Amen I was um, as I was studying and preparing the text for this week and I was just so amazed how Paul actually gave his testimony on his life as an unbeliever Hebrew, his conversion but also as a believer what is his life like now some of you parents here are some of you guys may ask, you know, you know may ask someone as someone as a believer. You might ask your kids and everything, what is the gospel? Or you might go out into the community, you might meet someone say they're a believer. And you might ask them, what is the gospel? What does it mean for a person to profess Christ? And a lot of times you want to hear those certain things. You know, what was your life like before Christ? What's your life like right now? I mean, what was your life, you know, like at your conversion? And what's your life like right now? One article said this right here. Five questions to ask when your child professes the faith. It's that God gives parents the holy calling of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Our most important work is to help them understand the gospel so they might trust in Jesus and be saved. But most Christian parents face a major question. How do we discern whether or not our kids have fully, truly come, come to Christ? And for us today here, it might not just be kids, but what about us in this room? Or what about those that you are appointed to or those around you at times? And for them to profess Christ, what kind of questions, what things are you thinking through in it? So what questions ask? So this article gives us a couple questions to ask. And these questions kind of spark what Paul, what spark in a sense of what Paul has proclaimed before these people here. Listen to these questions. The first, first question they said to ask their children is, do they know they need a Savior? And it goes on to say, awareness of sin and of the need of a Savior is an absolute necessity in conversion. Number two, do they understand Jesus' death and resurrection? If your child shows awareness of and conviction for sin, begin to talk about, talk to her or him about Jesus. You aren't looking for a discourse or hypostatic union or penal substitutionary atonement, but you listen to some basic things of what does it mean to be a Christian. So the second was, do they understand Jesus' death and resurrection? So, KJ, I know you're a scholar, so I know you want to explain penal substitution. You maybe can explain it to Greg. But the second question should be, do they understand Jesus' death and resurrection? Number three, do they believe they are saved through repentance and faith? You must make sure your children get this. For by grace you have been saved through faith that is not of yourselves. Good works and more baptism or faithful church attendance don't make them a Christian. Repentance and trust in Christ does. Amen. Number four. Good question he asks here. Do they show signs of new life? Signs of the spirit work in your child life are not as evident as they might be an adult. Your six-year-old isn't going to have a testimony like a man with a notorious past. But a child's salvation is equally uh, miraculous. If they have trusted in Jesus, your children have been born again, and the Holy Spirit dwells in them. They will show evidence of conversion. Number five. Are their decisions coming from external, external pressures? They goes on to say the invitation system. You guys know like vacation Bible school. The invitation system pressure pat vacation Bible school kids' camp. And friends being baptized can pressure your child to make a profession of faith without actually grasping the gospel. And it goes on to say in Baptist churches, children sometimes ask why they can't take communion or here, in here. Because you haven't been baptized yet. They might have heard that. In their mind, the solution seems simple then let me be get baptized then so I can take communion. You can never be certain your child has poor, pure motives for wanting to follow Christ. But you should examine any outside forces as turning as pressure on them. Ask what made them start thinking about Christ. Do they merely want to take the bread and cup or, do, or did the meaning behind the communion draw them to Jesus? Do they merely want to please you the parent or their youth leader or do they want to obey, Father, obey Christ? Well, these five questions are really good and they mentioned these for five questions to ask when your child professes Christ, Christ. But I think these questions are still good even for us today, even as adults. And I would say these questions right here are actually are what we're going to hear in Paul's testimony here today. Paul's going to be able to share when I read some of it already. Paul shares with us what is life like before Christ? If he truly converted, I mean, Paul is, is going to some, 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 show some type of fruit of the spirit. We know Paul is not perfect. We're going to hear about how the Lord put a thorn on his side for certain reasons. Paul is not perfect. KJ did a podcast, Romans 7. It talks about the life of the Christian, you know, in a way of the battle. The more they want to do right, the, you know, Seeing is louching right there at the door. So Paul is going to be able to be an example before us in these five questions. So let's get right to it with the time we have. Point number one is going to be Paul brought outside the barracks. Point two is going to deal with Paul give a defense of his faith. I jump to point number one. Paul brought outside the barracks. After being beat by the Jews for bringing in Gentiles into the temples, you guys, we talked about the last week. Paul brought in a brother from Ephesians, Ephesus. And they said Paul was brought somebody into the temple. But for them, bringing a Gentile into the temple from Ephesus, how dare you, Paul, you brought a dog in here. They would call, consider Gentile to be dogs. They would consider them to be unclean. How dare you bring an unclean Gentile into the temple? Pretty sure at this time they tore their garment open. They tore their garment in, in frustration and hostility. There is no way that Paul should be living right now because of this. But Paul, the work of the mission, and for him leaving Jerusalem and leaving the Jewish world and going to the, to the nation, many were responding into faith. And actually the one that mentioned from Ephesus last week, he was just one of so many more. We heard about who the brothers that left think Corinth or Macedonia. It was a group of them. I think some of them from Lydia, some, I mean from uh, Lystra, which we know is Timothy was there. It was brothers from other places, Macedonia. Uh, I think a brother was from Corinth. All the different places they came back with Paul. And I think the reason why Paul brought these brothers back, to be a testimony to the Jewish brothers, what is happening around the world. The Gentile world is professing Christ. Jews in the synagogue and also Gentiles outside of the synagogues are coming to Christ. But many professing Jews didn't care for Gentiles to come into the faith. Instead, they were so focused on Jewish customs they talked about last week. And they brought charges on Paul for his failure to abide in the Jewish customs. One of the Jewish customs talked about in the past is circumcision other Jewish customs and saying now Paul is not keeping the law of Moses anymore and so what did Paul do here today Paul is going to be able to explain to them then uh, what do you think about Moses what do you think about the law and, and also about his conversion to Christ but Paul was ready for this too though y'all you guys remember when the evangelist Philip he talks about this in 21, the evangelist Philip and Adam, uh, I think they came to, from, Caesarea, they was in Caesarea and Agabus, Agabus, that prophet, he told him, take the belt, told Paul, give me your belt. And he tied the belt around him and he gave it to and said, this is what this means. The one who owns this belt is the one who's going to be arrested and given over to the Gentiles. And they start weeping like, Paul, you're going to be arrested going to the Gentile Brother, stay in Caesarea. Do not go to Jerusalem. But how did Paul respond? One of the beautiful words in all scriptures. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? Let the word of the Lord be done. He wasn't afraid. Paul was willing to lose his life right here. He said, let the word of the Lord be done in the midst of this. And for them, I'm pretty sure they broke out crying. They knew that now and this was going to be the end of Paul's ministry. When Paul, they knowing that Paul is about to be arrested to give it up to the Gentile, we're not going to get this brother back. But I think Paul knew this a long time ago when he met at Ephesians 20, I mean Ephesians Ash 20, he met the elders of Ephesus. And he explained to them, they weeped and they cried for him. So Paul right here he's okay that they're going to bring charges against him by Jewish customs and even though they were painful to go through the beatings and all the things he had to go through but Paul was willing to let things endure the deep hatred and the pain for the sake of the gospel may our words be like Paul family may our words be like Paul as we minister the gospel at work, with family and friends, may these words be near to us. To follow Jesus, family, you will be tried at times. You will. It's so much outside forces and pressures that's coming towards us to give in and look like the world. The world is coming at us at every single moment. To live for Jesus, the world's going to come at you at every moment. It's way around it. If you don't feel that pressure, you might have already been given into it. But to be a Christian, the world is coming at us. We're not going to get a pass. The world wants to bend. Look at commercials now. The world wants to sell so much, so much, and Christians, we're giving up so much ground for the sake of compromising. And I don't mean in a way of in a. Yeah, we some things we can let go. It don't matter what color my shirt is, right? That's not essential. You know, but it's some essential things that that are found, that, that, that are that are grounded in our faith. At times we're tempted to compromise on those things. So Paul is faced with this. Paul has the opportunity to compromise and he avoid getting beaten. If Paul compromised the boy get beatings, family, we wouldn't hear the rest of this book of Acts. He'd been let go, right? He'd been let go, and we won't hear the story that he goes to Rome, and what happened when he gets to Rome. All the things that we hear later on in Paul's life, we won't get it. I don't know when he wrote the second Corinthians letter. We probably won't get that. Um, the letter to Titus, I don't, I don't know when he wrote that particular letter. It's a lot of things we probably wouldn't get if Paul compromised in this moment. But family, Paul didn't compromise. Family, may we be faithful, not compromise. And I don't know the things in your, lives, your life that might be tempting for you to compromise on. If you don't see those things now, they're coming. They're coming, they're coming. But I say this, family, you hold on to the faith. And you repeat to yourself over and over again. No matter what I have to lose in this, I'm going to hold on to Christ and let his will be done. But Paul just didn't say let the will of the Lord be done. He believed it, too. He believed it. We notice by the second point here. How Paul gave a defense of the faith. Paul was questioned about his background by the Roman soldier. Look at verse 37. They were curious that Paul was the same but was the same man as the Egyptian that started a revolt. And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? The Roman soldier don't really know Paul. But he mistake mistaken Paul as the Egyptian. A Hebrew Islam, listen to this, I see they saw Paul as Egyptian. Her brother, brother was black. But that's not what he's getting at here. So Paul responds with the explaining that he's not the Egyptian, that he's a Jew. Because he was Egyptian, the Roman soldiers are not going to let him speak. Because the Roman soldiers want to keep the peace. The only way the Roman so is going to let him speak if he's actually a citizen of the Jewish people. Come to find out, Paul is explaining to them he is. And what Paul is about to do here, he's about to explain to them first, he's about to give them reason for allowing him to speak. And we're going to be able to see this. This is going to be divided in three things here. Paul is an unbeliever, his conversion, a believer. But first he's going to start off with, first he's just explaining that I have the right to say something here because I'm Jewish. The charges that the people are bringing against me, I brought a Gentile out in the temple, that I'm not a believer, I'm not a Jewish person. Let me first make this clear I am Jewish. How do we know? Look at verse 39. Paul replied, I am a Jew. The word Jew, you got to see it often, J E W, Jew. It's just another word in the form that the word comes from the word Judah. Everybody in, in, within the Israel people is not from the tribe of Judah. But it was the dominant tribe. It was the tribe that Jesus came from. So that all the Israelites were called Jews, but in actuality, only the Jews are the, the the people that are from the tribe of Judah. Do we know from different tribes today? No. They're all blended together now. And some of them try to take names and try to go back and everything. But for the most part, the Jewish people are all blended together to now, today. And Paul said he was a Jew from Tarsus of Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. You guys remember in Acts 6, before Stephen was stoned? This was one of the places, Tarsus of Ass- Cilicia was one of the places that was mentioned. So this is legitimate that possibly Paul was there in the synagogue before Stephen was actually stoned. And so by Paul being a Jew, he has now been going to be given the privileges to be able to speak before the Jewish people. So the Greek soldier gave him permission to talk. He said, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Now, all those shots that were firing at Paul, Talking about he, he's against Moses against this. The brother is speaking in Hebrew. There's no way they're gonna be cried if the brother, you know, if he spoke in Greek, they would turn up then. He spoke in Hebrew, and now they're giving them time now. The Lord went before him, giving them time. So let here at the first thing where this first point here. The unbelieving Hebrew, Paul. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. Paul honored them as brothers, also fathers as superior. How they was knocking at Paul, Paul was throwing shots and said, hey, he don't agree with Moses, he don't agree with the faith. So now Paul is saying, no, nah, I'm mere my fathers, the father of the priest, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He also talked about my brothers, my Jewish brothers. And Paul then started speaking in Hebrew, which really got their attention. This is kind of how Stephen started off as well. Everything was good at first. The brothers talking in Hebrew? The, the brothers loving the word? Everything good? They probably was encouraged by this. Why did we arrest and beat this man? He loved our Jewish nation. Look in verse 2. And when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew born of Tarsus, this is here. But brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, was which was a script teacher of the law. He was a script teacher that he taught the law of the law, of uh, the, uh, the law of Judaism. If anybody studied under Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers, I think Josephus talks about him, they was considered an honored person. So Paul learned upon the greatest, one of the greatest Jewish teachers of the day. So Paul got credibility here. Look at his resume here. He studied on the Gamaliel. But also, Paul said he was zealous before God as all who you, who, all of who is there today. And Paul even talks about this. Y'all let me talk. He said, I was zealous. He said, I studied on Gamaliel. Matter of fact, them Christians y'all talking about I'm, I'm agreeing with, guess what? I used to beat them too. I was a part of arresting them. So Paul admitted that he helped destroy the Christian group the way. The way is kind of gets there with Jesus. Um, Of course, the Christian name is not as known as much. They were considered disciples at this time. But the way is, you know, when Jesus talks about the way, the truth and the life, like these were considered that they were the follower of Jesus. And Paul said he couldn't stand them. He persecuted anyone that followed Jesus. Any disciples of Jesus, he persecuted all of them. He was actually given letters by the high priest to find the Christians, to meet, uh, Christians in their meeting places to arrest them. So right now, I'm pretty sure they're patting Paul on the back, aren't they? Paul, we like you. You arresting them? We like you, Paul. Family, let us not point fingers at Paul either. I think this is our testimony too. None of us in this room, I don't think anybody got a police license. None of us arrested Christians, right, for preaching the gospel when we were lost. But we might have, in a sense of, not want to be around them, holding them down people, right? Oh, we probably said that, well, I don't know why they believe in that. Well, I don't know what it was when you were an unbeliever that you didn't have interest in Christianity. But in a similar way, we all had at one point of our lives, as a child or some point of our lives, we have marked the Christian faith by some particular way. We enjoyed our sins. We were okay to get glory for ourselves and make everything about ourselves. We were zealous for the things that we desired. Family, we were just like Paul here. Paul wasn't seeking after Christ. Paul was seeking to destroy Christ. Even under the name of Judaism, of under the law, the study of the law, still rejected Christ. We see right here in sub point two. We're gonna see Paul conversion now in verse 6 20. So we just saw Paul was not a believer here. Paul admitted that he persecuted the Christian church. Now Paul even shared the last trip on the way to arrest and kill Christians it would be his last trip to arrest Christians. Because the Lord stopped him. As Paul left Jerusalem. He was on the way to Damascus to go find Christians to arrest them. What happened? The Lord stopped him there. The Lord blinded him. But the Lord allowed him to make it to Damascus with help from the brothers that went with him. And he met Ananias. Ananias was a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by the Jews who lived there. Ananias was faithful to the word of God. So Paul was poured into by two specialists right here, Ananias and Gamal. Both men that cared about the law. So Paul was adamant that they know that, that these men, that the people that he's before, they knowing who Paul ran into, Ananias and Gamal. These are faithful men of the law. So you can't say I don't support the law. I've been trained by the greatest teachers of the law. They were faithful for the law. They're further support Paul as a faithful to the law as well. But Paul finna switch the game up on him, y'all. Y'all know how they, you know, them college, y'all be turning and switching the game up on them. Paul finna switch it up. Paul is drawing them in now. About to convert. Yeah. Y'all agree I did be some Christian. I did do this to the Christians. Now Paul finna switch it up on him now. But something else happened to Paul besides him being blind. Look at verse 16. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Now we see Paul's conversion here with Ananias. When Paul was on his way to Damascus, what blinded Paul was Jesus. Jesus said, why do you persecute me? Paul, what are you talking about? How am I persecuting you? You're not even around here. Jesus referring to his church. When you persecute the church, you persecute Jesus. And so Paul was persecuting the church. He was mocking the church. And as he mocked the church, he was mocking Jesus. And Jesus said, why do you persecute me? And family, even for us in this room, may we cherish the church. May we not mock the church. The church is Christ's body. Is it people in the church that might get on your nerves? Yes. We're always going to be in church when people get on your nerves. But one thing is beautiful about it, though, is that she's beautiful. His church is beautiful. And anybody that must and, and, and do anything that dishonored the brought of Christ, it just is just a saying that we did it to Christ. So Christ took offense. Christ took offense to this. How dare you, Paul, persecute my body, my bride? And Paul responds later as he goes to Ananias. Paul responds in obedience and submission as he is told to arise. To them to arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name what did Paul do? Paul arose he was faithful to the Lord he arose and proclaimed his name he held on to Christ's name Paul was converted here he was converted in a special way here as the Lord has, he has been baptized emerged in this and his sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus Paul right here, now I came to Christ so what now will happen, he persecuted the church, he has risen now he has came to Christ now what's going to happen here, and let's pause for just a second y'all think about what's happening here right now they're probably patting Paul on the back right now they're saying man, brother you know, you started on the Gamal, you persecuted the church they clapping for him. But now his conversion happened. And that's fine. Your conversion can happen. As long as you're going to continue persecuting the church. Many of you guys might notice too in your life. Many people might, you know, clap, man. I heard, you know, say that I heard you got baptized. Praise the Lord. And many people might be so supportive, man. That's cool you got baptized. And I'm pretty sure the Jewish people was cool about Paul getting baptized. But what a rubber meets the road is that now, what is Paul is willing to let go? Hmm. So you can get baptized as long as you're going to continue to persecute the Christian. Say so that you can get baptized as long as you continue hanging out with me or, and turning up every night. That's the road meets the road. So the conversion right here happens now. Paul is converted, but now, what is the new life going to look like? Look at the last sub-point. Uh, Paul, as a believing Hebrew, he said to me, go for, I will send you forward to the Gentiles. Now Paul here, in our test here, Paul is about to be sent to the Gentiles. His ministry is about to begin with the Gentiles. So if Paul is really converted now, there's no way he's going to go to the Gentiles. He's going to go to the Jewish people and build up the Jewish people. If he can go to the Gentiles, he's going to persecute them. What happened here is that Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't go to the Gentile nation to persecute the church. Paul goes to the Gentile nation to build up the church. That's what conversion looks like. It's a turning. It's a turning. You're a fashion, turning for something you in love to do to persecute the church, to turn it now to love the church. It's not no this Wesley professionalism, profession. Sometimes you're going to mess up. Sometimes you're going to struggle. Sometimes you're going to look like an unbeliever. But one thing about it is that you hate your sins now. One thing about all believers is that they hate their sins. Now, it might be some sins that you might not know of or something, or it's something that might be hidden, the Lord having exposed it in your life. But one thing about a true believer is that a true believer, they might be struggling with a particular sin for a while. All of us in this room got certain sins we're struggling with. Everyone in here, you know, everyone in here got some type of sin we're struggling with. But what is your affection towards that sin? Is your affection towards that sin is that, well, God forgive me, let me go ahead and do it. If that's your affection towards it, that, God is going to forgive me, let me go ahead and do it. That's not a submission to Christ. That's not an affection that cares about the holiness of God. But true affections and true conversion. Of what it mean to be a Christian? Is that yes, the battle—it's a battle now. Sometimes you're gonna lose, sometimes you're gonna win. You're fighting for a battle, and those affections are always toward Jesus. I want to say always—those affections—it wants to make God glorified. Those affections, but if your affections are still for the flesh and for for self and not for God's glory. That's not biblical conversion. Biblical conversion is a group of people that are loving Jesus and they're fighting this battle. And they're working through it the rest of their lives. Good days, they have some bad days. They're working on certain things. Man, they're good. They don't they don't struggle with this angry anymore. They don't struggle with pornography anymore. Oh, they gave into this, right? Or they don't struggle with this. It's just a it's an ongoing thing. But one thing so special about it though is that the Christian life is it's a, lot, it's, a, it's, a, it's a picture of sanctification God is making us more and more like himself every single day every single day he's making us more and more like himself and I say this too is that a lot of times people feel like when they're at the lowest point in their lives they feel like, like, like they're not Christian or they feel like they are um, they're backtracking from their Christian walk I would say the opposite. When you see a Christian that is so broken and a Christian that is so broken and and, and just seeing why they keep struggling every day, you see a beautiful Christian that the Lord is making more like himself. Because now the Lord has shown more things about themselves. There's a reason why the Lord don't give us everything at every moment. He don't expose everything at every second in our lives. He give us time. He show one thing, he show another thing, and he show another one over time. He slowly do that over time. The Lord is so gracious and kind to us. What if the Lord just opened up our whole heart and gave us everything at one time? Family, we couldn't even stand to see it, could we? He doesn't do that, do we? He gives us a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. Some of y'all are like, man, it feel like he give me everything, right? But for the most part, he doesn't give us everything. He's so gracious and so yeah. kind. Yeah. He let us walk into it. Walk in. And we get built up and show us some things. Go from there. So I would say, Christians, even when you feel like you're at the lowest place on earth, and you feel like things are not working out for you, I would, you don't see it as a time that God is not near to you. See it as now God is allowing you to to see areas in your life that you probably haven't had to fight as hard. He probably has held a lot of that from you for so long. And now he might have gave a little bit more to you in this season. But one thing he had promised that he'd never leave us or forsake us. He's going to make us more like him. So when things get hard for you, count it it out joy that God is molding and shaping you in a certain way. Why I say that? Go back to the life of Paul. It seemed like with Paul was dead, as him becoming a Christian, things get easy. Let's read his letters in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about this thorn in his flesh, this battle and everything. Lord would not remove it from him. He doesn't arrive there like you think. Y'all know some of us in this room, eventually on earth, we're going to arrive there by our own strength. No, it's going to be the day of glory. We're going to get our new body. We will never be perfect. We'll never be perfect. Because once we think we're perfect, the Lord is going to show us our pride. (laughs) We'll never be perfect. But look at Paul's life. Paul has a life of struggling. He's faithful. then He's just back and forth. Back and forth in the Christian walk. And that's our walk. But I say this right here, though, is that our posture and our affections are always going to be for God's glory and his holiness, even when it's difficult. To choose God's glory, we're always going to have that conviction there It's going to always remind us of God's glory because the Spirit is in us. We must look to Jesus. We must look to Jesus. We must not look to ourselves. And sometimes we're going to try to annoy Jesus, and we're going to look to ourselves, right? And we're going to mess up. But the Spirit is there to get us back on track at every single moment. So that's what Paul does here. Paul leaves here as he explained to them how he was lost, he sprang to conversion. Now Paul gets in here, and now he went on to the Gentiles. Family, this is your testimony as well. This is your testimony that now you are off now, living for Christ now, living a life for Christ Having brothers and sisters in your life poured into you, encouraging you in your walk. It's going to be difficult, but you have a brothers and sisters around you. Paul is okay with this. He knew it was going to be difficult going to the Gentiles. In Lystra, remember Paul got beat, but he kept the faith. Remember, Paul got ran out of town in um, Berea, and he kept the faith. Remember, Paul here got beat here in Jerusalem, but he kept the faith. So family, you will get beat. You will get mocked. You will be tempted. Things will be hard. Family, will you keep the faith? Will you keep the faith? And family, outside of Christ, we can't keep the faith. The only way we can keep the faith is by him and his work. So I say for you guys here today, you might be weak and you feel like giving up. I say this. The good thing about it is that your faith is not dependent on you. Your faith is dependent on someone outside of you. Even when things get so hard for you, Christ has done it all. If it depended on you, why did he say it was paid in full? If it was dependent on you, that means it must have not been paid in full. Family, he paid it all in full. Your salvation is dependent on Christ. Look to him even in your weakness. Look at him and your failures. Look to Christ, and as you look to Christ, He has a, 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 a this confident spirit that He continually gives to us, day in and day, in and day out. Say, so "You're gonna be okay. I'm gonna make you more like Me in the midst of that." So keep your heads up and be encouraged by Christ. And as we in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna now gonna hear it now as Paul gonna move on. This was actually to the Jews. And uh, now we're gonna hear the flogging and all the other things gonna happen with the Romans, and it's gonna be the Roman council. Then they're gonna meet a couple of officials with the Romans. Then we're gonna be eventually be finished with the Book of Acts. So let me pray for us and um, ask the Lord to bless us for the rest of this evening.